You're listening to Grace Saves All, the podcast which exists at the spiritual intersection of Christianity and universal salvation. In this podcast, we will be exploring an ancient and modern approach to Christianity, which affirms both that grace saves alone and that grace goes to all. And now, here is David Artman, author of Grace Saves All, The Necessity of Christian Universalism. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast, which exists at the intersection of Christianity and universal salvation. In this episode, we are going to begin addressing two hurdles which keep some very thoughtful Christians from embracing Christian universalism. And these two hurdles I will call mystery and free will. Those who hope for the final salvation of all but stop short of seeing it as a necessity feel that we need to be careful about being too assertive about God finally saving all because there's just too much mystery surrounding the final judgments of God. And they also want to caution that God, in granting us free will, has given each of us the ability to finally resist salvation to the very end. Or, to put it more positively, they might want to say that God, in granting us free will, has decided to respect our ultimate decision with regard to our ultimate destiny. So even though God may want all to be saved, free will may mean that even God's best efforts will not be able to save all in the end. And so there are understandable concerns that we not violate the ultimate mysteries of God and that we also respect that God's granting of free will to humans may result in some humans not being saved through no fault of God. We do need to take these concerns seriously. And so now let's take some time to look at some very informed Christian voices who do just that. We can begin with Callisto Ware, a bishop in the Orthodox Church. In his book, The Inner Kingdom, he puts the problem this way, writing, How are we to bring into concord the two principles that God is love and that human beings are free? For the time being, we cannot do more than hold fast with equal firmness to both principles at once, while admitting the manner of their ultimate harmonization remains a mystery beyond our present comprehension. Notice how Bishop Ware advises us to hold fast with equal firmness to both God being love and humans being free, and therefore to resist trying to resolve a mystery which lies beyond our ability to solve. A similar position was taken by the influential 20th century Catholic theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar. Von Balthasar, in his book, Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved, admitted in principle that some might successfully evade God's love forever. But on the other hand, he also declared that in reality, the chances of it actually occurring were infinitely improbable. Henry Carlson, in his book about von Balthasar's theology, gave a good summary of his thought, writing about von Balthasar that, since he did not know the outcome of the Last Judgment, Balthasar made it clear he could not know whether or not all will be saved, but he knew his hope had to take into account the possibility of perdition. His hope relied upon the great work of God to reach out to everyone, giving everyone every opportunity to be converted, to have a change of heart, and to be saved. In his theology, perdition can only be had by a complete and utter rejection of the saving work of God. One of the things I appreciate about von Balthasar's approach is how it is that God gives everyone every last chance to be converted and to have a change of heart. And von Balthasar was incredibly optimistic that every last one of us would finally have this change of heart, 
So optimistic, in fact, that he declared it to be infinitely improbable that anyone could evade God's love forever. I'd call that a pretty strong hope, bordering on absolute assurance, but just bordering on absolute assurance while still leaving essential space for mystery and free will. In the Protestant church, Karl Barth, one of the most prominent theologians of the 20th century, also held out great hope for a universal salvation. But like von Balthasar, he also refused to conclude that a universal salvation was inevitable. George Hunsinger, in his book How to Read Karl Barth, makes this concise summary of the way Barth thought about things. Hunsinger wrote that Barth makes, quote, a very strong move in the direction of universal salvation while leaving the question open. Eminent world-class theologians such as Ware, von Balthasar, and Barth, who take this position, are often called hopeful universalists because of the way they combine robust hope and necessary restraint when it comes to the salvation of all. And although these theologians are often called hopeful universalists, I prefer to refer to them as hopeful inclusivists. And that's because of the way all of these theologies affirm the full inclusion of humanity in the saving plans of God. They fully affirm that we're all included, they just want to put the brakes on a little bit when it comes to asserting that our full inclusion means that all will inevitably be saved. And while this is not the place I ultimately end up in my theology, I do want to recognize the strength of this position. This way of doing theology is so much more positive than all of those harsh, infernalist Christian theologies out there, which stress that inclusion in God's saving plans for us is something that we have to somehow achieve or earn. Hopeful inclusivists affirm that God includes us all. Inclusion is not something that we can get only if we have faith. We are included before we have faith. The question isn't whether we will be included. The question is whether we will all finally be able to have faith that awakens us to our inclusion and to be able to act on that faith in order to be finally fully united to God in eternity. Hopeful inclusivism affirms that God includes everyone and gives everyone every possible chance to come to their senses. And so it is not stingy with regards to God's grace and God's love and God's saving efforts towards us. Another thing this view has going for it is that hopeful inclusivism is not nearly as controversial as Christian universalism. Christian universalism takes a very strong, some would say an unnecessarily strong, position in asserting that only the salvation of all can be considered an ultimate victory for God and an ultimate vindication of God's goodness, and that anything short of the salvation of all represents a defeat for God, a defeat which also has the effect of tarnishing God's goodness. They say that in life, your greatest strength can often also be your greatest weakness. And when it comes to Christian universalism, its rigorous conclusions about the necessity of all being saved leads to kind of a stark impression. The necessity of salvation in Christian universalism can, for some, lead to even the salvation of all feeling cold and deterministic in the end. And so Christian universalism leaves some wondering about the meaning of being part of a salvation which is predetermined, pre-programmed, and therefore inescapable. Therefore, for them, taking a step back from Christian universalism and leaving some room for mystery and human agency seems necessary. And so hopeful inclusivism offers the ability to hope for and to celebrate 
a robust possibility for a universal salvation, while at the same time preserving space for a real and meaningful human response. And even another advantage of hopeful inclusivism is that it is much more acceptable among many forms of organized Christianity. Hopeful inclusivism seems respectful and humble and appropriate, while Christian universalism can seem strident and prideful and inappropriate. Therefore, for lots of good reasons, hopeful inclusivism ends up, for many, being a better option than Christian universalism. And so, I want to speak in favor of hopeful inclusivism. It is such a more positive form of Christianity than the harsh, infernalist visions of the faith that are out there. Hopeful inclusivism says that God pursues and pursues the lost, but finally leaves the last final decision to come home in their hands. Hopeful inclusivism recognizes that a good case can be made for the ultimate salvation of all, and it actively hopes for the salvation of all. But it also says, maybe it's a good idea for us to stop short of being rigidly deterministic about all of this. I hope you can see that I have a lot of respect for hopeful inclusivism. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite Christian authors, William Paul Young, author of The Shack, holds this kind of view. Nobody makes a more decisive argument than does William Paul Young that we are all included in the saving plans of God. And, on the other hand, nobody makes a more decisive argument than does William Paul Young that the ultimate salvation of all, even if it does hopefully happen, can't be accomplished in a rigidly deterministic way which violates the essential conditions of relationship. In his book, Lies We Believe About God, William Paul Young states his views about everyone's inclusion with passion. In Lies About God, he forcefully declares, God does not wait for my choice and then save me. God has acted decisively and universally for all humankind. Now our daily choice is either to grow and participate in that reality or continue to live in the blindness of our own independence. Are you suggesting that everyone is saved, that you believe in universal salvation? That is exactly what I am saying. This is real good news. It has been blowing people's minds for centuries now, so much so that we often overcomplicate it and get it wrong. Here's the truth. Every person who has ever been conceived was included in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. When Jesus was lifted up, God dragged all human beings to himself, John 12:32. Jesus is the Savior of all humankind, especially believers, 1 Timothy 4.10. Further, every single human being is in Christ, John 1.3, and Christ is in them, and Christ is in the Father, John 14.20. When Christ, the Creator in whom the cosmos was created, died, we all died. When Christ rose, we rose, 2 Corinthians 5. Now, that's what I call a strong argument for humanity's universal inclusion in the saving plans of God. As a matter of fact, it's such a strong argument that many just assume that William Paul Young is a Christian universalist. But that's not correct. And that's because, for William Paul Young, being included in the saving plans of God still means that God puts the final decision to fully receive this salvation in our hands so as not to force it upon us. And the reason for this is so that we can know that our decision to come home to God really is our decision, and not one that's already been made for us in advance. And so in order to clear all of this up, William Paul Young made the following remarks in an interview after his book, Lies About God, was released. In that interview, he said, 
No, I don't believe all roads lead to God, but I do believe that God goes down any road to find us. This I stated clearly in the shack. Otherwise, the incarnation and the passion of Jesus would be meaningless. Yes, I believe that what God accomplished in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension affects and includes the entire cosmos and every human being ever conceived. I stated that clearly in Lies We Believe About God. No, I don't believe in limited atonement that Jesus died only for a few who God had previously elected. Jesus is the one elected in whom we all died and rose, 2 Corinthians 15. We can't build a trusting relationship with grim determinism. No, I don't believe in a doctrine that holds that every person will ultimately be reconciled full back to God. Yes, I hope that is true. In fact, Colossians asks us to pray for that, and I do. So I think we can hear pretty clearly in this interview that it's all about relationship for William Paul Young. He makes this clear when he says, we can't build a trusting relationship with grim determinism. And he also makes it clear that he is stopping short of Christian universalism when he says in the interview, no, I don't believe in a doctrine that holds that every person will ultimately be reconciled full back to God. Yes, I hope it's true. In fact, Colossians asks us to pray for that, and I do. So now if we put all of this together, we get a good picture of how some very sincere and very intelligent Christians give good reasons for embracing hopeful inclusivism while stopping short of an outright Christian universalism. Hopeful inclusivism essentially argues that everyone is included by Christ in salvation. So in that sense, salvation is universal. But hopeful inclusivism also argues that each person must ultimately make the final decision about whether or not to fully experience the salvation in which they have been included, because salvation is finally a decision about entering a relationship, and relationships, by definition, can't be forced. So, while hopeful inclusivists would joyfully celebrate the ultimate redemption of all, they would also understand it if it ended up being the case that not everyone will choose to enter this relationship, and they would respect that decision as well. I certainly hope that all of my hopeful inclusivist friends out there can feel my respect for your position. Your writings and your thinking about the hope for the ultimate redemption of humanity have helped me and encouraged me along the way. I consider you my friends and colleagues and most valued discussion partners. Your iron sharpens mine. And if anyone wants to make camp with you then, as the Aussies say, good on you. And if you're throwing a party, I certainly want to be invited. And I also hope you won't take it the wrong way as I move farther out beyond your position towards what I have come to see as the ultimate necessity of Christian universalism. So, as I stated at the beginning of this episode, mystery and free will end up being important considerations for those of us who are moving on towards a convinced Christian universalism. A convinced Christian universalism views the ultimate salvation of all as a necessity if God is in fact all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good. I really do respect the hopeful inclusivists, but with all due respect, I think I can see a brighter light still. I think I can see a way over those hurdles of mystery and free will. And it's toward that brighter light that we will be going next time as we continue on in our journey towards believing in a grace that in the end ultimately saves all. 
Thank you for joining us in this episode of Grace Saves All. You can help spread the word by sharing this podcast with others and by giving it a rating on iTunes. If you want to find out more about David or if you'd like to leave him a message, go to his website, davidartman.net. In the meantime, let's work together to help a hurting world know about the greatest news ever announced.